All right, so I just thought uh, maybe this is, uh, this is actually quite different than what we usually do, but this is just a thing that popped into my mind this week since we did uh, a longer thing when we watched the Carry On movie where we just split it in half. And it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. If you take like a movie-length thing and split it into two parts, it doesn't seem like, you know, we're watching something so epic. And uh, we've just kind of inadvertently talked about uh, mysteries quite a bit, particularly with like British mysteries, right? Like BBC stuff and how uh, it's a good example of just how British stuff is better <laughs> than North American stuff. And, you know, the way they kind More of... More open to suggestion as opposed to a in your face. Right. And trying to, with mysteries in particular, like trying to piece together how things are going to go and whatever. So uh, I was thinking maybe we could watch a mystery thing. This is a movie, actually. This is actually recent, though. This came out a couple of years ago, and this movie's just been stuck in my mind since it came out. And uh, I don't know, I just thought it might be neat to see what a modern-day mystery is like, because this movie's called Knives Out. I'll tell you a little bit about it. But the main thing, I don't want to, without spoiling stuff, but this happens near the start, what is so interesting to me about this movie is instead of the traditional whodunit, you know, where the whole time you're trying to figure out who committed the crime. This movie does the opposite, which I guess, I guess that's not so unusual, right? Because isn't that how Columbo kind of worked? What like, is it? You see who the murderer is, and then you kind of figure out the psychological inference of why this stuff happened. Yeah, because that, yeah, that, that, that was Columbo, right? Where I'm yeah, thinking yeah, of Columbo where, did that, yeah. Yeah, so you're like, you know, but Columbo doesn't know, or does he? And then, you know, you watch how... So this is somewhat like that, of like, but, but still different. This is a really unique take on a mystery movie in the sense that, yeah, you're not trying to figure out who did it. It's more... There's the whole clockwork of it. And uh, I don't remember the character's name in this, but it's Daniel Craig, the guy who is the most recent James Bond. And it is one of those Nero Wolf, Hercule Poirot, you know, he's one of those type of guys. And uh, I just remember when this movie came out, I do this thing sometimes where I'll just get a bunch of recent movies and I put them all on my phone and I just watch them at night when I'm going to bed or whatever. So what I do is I just kind of, since it remembers where I was in them, it's like channel surfing. Like when I get tired of one, I'll flip to the next and then flip to the next. But eventually... I do see the whole thing, you know, because as I'm going through this loop of like five different movies, as I get back to the movie, it'll re resume where it was. And in this case, I remember I got like the latest Terminator movie and whatever, a bunch of shit. And I didn't finish any of them except this movie. This movie, I was like, I love this movie. This movie's great. And the rest of these movies can go to hell. <laughs> and I just deleted them slowly. But I watched this one all the way through. So it's been a couple of years. And yeah, I'm still, I don't remember it super well because it's been a couple of years but it's always in my mind it's like oh yeah that was a good movie and uh i guess really the only real setup for this is the guy who directed it his name is ryan johnson and he was known for these kind of smaller sort of clever movies or whatever he did this time travel movie called looper that's one of my favorite movies of all time and then for some reason this really came out of left field because he's just such a an indie darling or whatever he made a star wars movie and everyone hated it because it was this weird take on Star Wars. So the Star Wars fans thought it was a piece of crap. And I didn't like it because it seemed like a waste of this guy's talents because I don't like Star Wars. So I'm like, why is he doing this? <laughs> you know? So it was weird. Like, he, he loved Star Wars since he was a kid. He's like, I can't believe I get to make a Star Wars movie. But then everyone just shit on it. And it was the worst thing he ever did. So this was the movie after that where he's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sorry I tried to 
breathed some life into Star Wars and it just made everybody upset. So this was his movie back to like, okay, let's make a real movie again. And it's real good. So I was thinking we could we could watch that. Sure. Let's check out something modern. Yeah, <laughs> and it's one of those things because, you know, it's one of those genres that it'll never go away, but it obviously is not prominent like it used to be. I mean, the, the idea that, you know, like Angela Lansbury and... Uh, you know, even Matlock and, you know, like there used to be, it was just a thing on TV all the time. Let's just have mysteries. And I just feel like nowadays it's a lot less common. It's probably most common in, in England still. <laughs> so this movie, it's not like he was jumping on a trend. It's not like everybody was desperate for a new take on on the whodunit. This is what makes this guy such a good director when he's not doing Star Wars. Is like he just does what he, or even in Star Wars, he does what he likes. He doesn't do what you want necessarily he he kind of he's one of these guys like you don't know you want it till he gives it to you and then you're like oh i guess i did want to see a a a mystery again that movie was cool and uh this movie did so well we're working on sequels and shit so maybe this will become one of those you know one of those series Hmm. of uh maybe like except like i said i don't remember the character's name but by the time they do two or three more of these maybe i will maybe he'll become one of these he'll be a who girl for all yeah yeah yeah, it was nice, too, this in particular, because I remember specifically when I was watching whenever, you know, whatever the big new films were of 2019, this really especially stood out in, in contrast to, like, here's a new series with a, a less common premise compared to the Terminator thing. That was, like, I'm going to say the sixth Terminator movie, and it was so shit. Like, just so shit. You know, Terminator 1 and 2 were great, and then 3 sucked, and 4 was pretty rough, and 5 well, was terrible, those, and 6 was to terrible. Well, those sequels, you've got to be really on top of your game. And most of them, the early ones are good because they're trying to sell it. Yeah. So they put in a lot of time and effort and make them really good. But as time goes on, you can't keep up that. You just can't keep it up. Yeah, just but it's a brand name, right? And they yeah. just can't resist trying one more time. Terminator is such a, an easy example, too, because it's like, all right, in the first one, Arnold Schwarzenegger is an evil robot. Oh, in the second one, though, he's a good robot now. He's trying to help save the kid. Uh, and then, I mean, that's it. You've already done the two things. So in the third one, they're like, um, I don't know, a lady robot? <laughs> you know, like it just starts immediately. And in that, that one in 2019, Dark Fate, they brought back Linda Hamilton from the original movies. And that's kind of cool to see Linda Hamilton in a tank top, you know, shooting a grenade launcher. But she's like fucking 60 years old. <laughs> you know? It's just, and Arnold's not getting any younger either. They were all in it. But it's like, what are we doing? Especially with Arnold, it's like they had to, they had to explain why the robot looks old now. And he's like, it is just the skin on my exoskeleton is old. I am the robot. <laughs> so yeah, it's just nice in general. Because I really do think too, in particular, just this era we're in now, I don't know what happened to my generation, but we are the least creative people in the world. All we want is everything from the 80s. They just made a new He-Man cartoon. Like, they just made it. It just came out this year. Like, let's make a new Ghostbusters. Let's make a new Terminator. Let's make more Aliens movies. Let's make fucking Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so you're the demographic now that has money. Yeah. And that's why it's zeroing in on that group. Yeah, it's a combination of, yeah, we got money, we want our little childhoods back, and... It's just easier if you're a Hollywood person to just make another Transformers movie instead of to make something new. So that's all just to say, like, extra thumbs up to Knives Out. 
and Looper and all of his movies besides Star Wars. That's why it was just so weird to me that this guy, of all people, made a Star Wars movie. But, but you know, again, it's like even him, even this guy that always does his own stuff and always does these unique movies. But when they offered him Star Wars, his little childhood dingling went off yeah, in his brain. Yeah, I'd love to see Star Wars again yeah. in a new remake. And yeah, he bought into it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was so... In it, the, the marketplace is dictating all that stuff. It was so interesting, too, because just, again, real briefly, just to get into this side stuff, but uh, Star Wars, so it got bought by Disney, and uh, George Lucas doesn't own it anymore. He sold it for billions of dollars, so now they're making new movies. So they made Star Wars Part Seven, that was just a retread, exactly a retread of the old Star Wars, and everybody loved it. Then this guy, Ryan Johnson, made Part Eight, and he just did weird stuff, like... Luke Skywalker threw away his lightsaber. Just, you know, weird stuff you don't expect. He's kind of a, a, a jerk. And everyone is, like, angry because that was different. And it just sucks both ways. If he had done another retread, it would have sucked. But he tried to do something different, and it sucked. Like, you can't win with these nostalgia plays. It's just artistically not a good choice. <laughs> so, anyway. So, all that said, the knives out. So that's not quite halfway, but I feel like that's a good place to stop for a break because that's when I was watching this movie and I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm into this and talking to the different people and it's pretty interesting. But they establish right away that this movie doesn't withhold the truth. Like when they show you cutaways, that is really what happened. You know, like here's all the situations with all the different kids and all the reasons they might be mad at their dad. And then when they show that the housekeeper is why he died. I'm like, well, what the hell is going on here? We're not even halfway through the movie. And we know for sure that this is what happened. Like, they're not lying to us. That is what happened. So now what? What the fuck? (laughs) And then it keeps going from here. There's different weird twists and turns. But but I was like, all right, you got me. Like, it's the opposite of a whodunit where you don't know who did it. Now it's like, yeah, we do know who did it. There's no question. That's what happened. That's... She's the one who killed him, essentially. And now the movie is going to keep happening? What the fuck? <laughs> so. Well, yeah, because somebody <laughs> fooled around with those drugs. And somebody took that naloxone out of her bag. Right. Because she was honestly trying to locate that to save his life. So although she is the one who administered the shot, she didn't do it willingly we know that so now we've got to find out who so it still is it who done it right who who mucked around with those drugs that they knew she was going to give him yeah and i just think from like a, a writing perspective it's like a bold thing to do of like let's kind of unravel everything within these first 45 minutes and show you kind of what's going on and even to the point i actually forgot about that that the the main character it's like truth serum or whatever. The fact that she can't lie or she throws up. Like, uh, wait, what was the other example? It's like uh, that show Better Call Saul. There's a character in that who uh, he can't be around electricity. So, like, they have to keep him in a house with no power. And uh, oh, otherwise yeah. he goes all crazy. <laughs> and uh, and it's like, I'm quite sure that's not real. I'm quite sure that no one has that. But it's a storytelling thing. Similar thing here. It's like, I, I don't know that there's anyone who will well, throw you know up. What? 
we're going to have to check that out. We'll yeah, go maybe. online after and check <laughs> that out. But it's like, yeah, like whether it's real or not, it's such a neat device for a, a movie that where the whole thing is predicated on secrets and lies. Let's just have the main character not be able to lie. Well, sure, because <laughs> if you didn't have that premise in here, she would lie because everybody lies. Yeah. In the whole show, everybody lies, and she would lie too if she could. And, uh, and I do really like, too, Daniel Craig as, like, it, it is, it's a bit of a cartoony accent, his foghorn, leghorn, whatever. But there's a lot of times where British actors, generally they're pretty good at American accents, but sometimes they think they're better than they are. <laughs> but he's really pulling it off. It's good. And he makes you forget who he is yeah. as Daniel Craig. Yeah, because you think of James Bond and his little speedos and fighting yeah. people with knives and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's this nice mix of it's got all of the tropes of a movie like this, even his character. Well, let me just ask you one more, blah, 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 and is smoking a cigar. Well, that's what confounds me about this. Like, he is a stereotypical character. But at the same time, this feels like a really fresh take on this type of story. So let's take a break while Jamie Curtis is... Dabbing her eyes as she's <laughs> yeah. getting ready for the memorial service. Yeah, we're about 45 minutes in. I should help them, right? Oh, I have my opinion. But I have a feeling you're for your home. So yeah, definitely uh, it's weird right how it's it's so such a weird setup, such an unusual start. But then at the end, it is the classic, aha, <laughs> where he just... And, and, he, and he has it all in place, and yeah. he outlines it all. Because it's weird that that is one of the things that's the most satisfying about a murder mystery, is that last 10 minutes where they just explain it. he had everything. lots of twists and turns in it. Yeah. All the way through. It was... I think my favorite part about all those twists, because there are so many weird coincidental things, and maybe the fake knife is a little much, but... But it's a little much that he would just stab somebody. Like, I feel like they just set that up for the fake knife thing. Well, because they made reference to the fake knife somewhere really early on. That you couldn't tell the difference between the fake knives and the... <laughs> well, I never saw this ones. in the credits before. Just the <laughs> the portraits. Like, it really does feel like an old-timey movie. But uh, my favorite part about the coincidences is the uh, the thing with the morphine and the medicine. How... The labels were switched by Chris Evans, by Ransom, but she accidentally switched them back. It would have been too coincidental if she just accidentally mixed them up. I like that they threw in that she just used her instinct as a nurse. She didn't actually look at the, at the labels. She knew which one was which, because it's like, oh, okay, yeah, so that makes sense that despite the labels being changed, she still gave him the proper thing. Because if it was just an accident, that he changed the labels, yeah, but they happened Yeah, and it was believable to... that the viscosity of the two yeah. items were slightly off. So as a nurse, using that every day, yes, she would she would realize that. So, yeah. so that, uh, yeah, that... Uh, yeah, that one particular detail I just felt like was important because otherwise it all just feels like too much luck, too much just random luck. <laughs> Where this, like, I kind of like that they, uh, they kind of ham-fisted a little at the end. But just the fact that you know, you're saying, like, oh, what what if, now that we know she did it, but what if, now that she's, when she's talking to Ransom and stuff, you were, your conjecture was like, well, maybe she is doing Thinking something or whatever. 
but it's kind of neat that in the end it is just that she's just the only person in this movie who's not an asshole yeah and she navigates and she really through is it. a <laughs> sweet genuine yeah. honest girl which is also very unusual for a murder mystery <laughs> you know it's nice yeah, just... usually somebody everybody's got an ulterior motive and everybody did except her yeah because man that family they're the worst <laughs> like they all suck and i was thinking too how it's funny how you go down the generations the grandma seems pretty cool the main guy himself was a little bit, you know, he's obviously jerking people around a little with his love of murder mysteries, but obviously a self-made writer, he's not bad. Then you get the generation under him, they all suck in their different ways where they've been kind of coddled. And then you get the generation under that with the grandkids, and they're the fucking worst. <laughs> all three of them just suck shit. The girl wasn't as bad, but the two dudes were horrible. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's like you just see. But you can believe that because they're a third generation that uh, would have been very spoiled. Yeah, and you got to assume... Never had to work. Money was easy for them because their grandfather covered everything. Yeah, so it makes it, too, more believable that Harlan, the main guy, would... Like, he sees this happening, too. That's why he decides, like, I've got to cut off my family because not only have I kind of spoiled my kids, it's only getting worse. The next generation is even worse than them, and it's never going to stop. I have $60 million. If this family keeps just... They could go for generations of being terrible people. <laughs> now, I'm kind of thinking, though, my God, Nick, but he cut out poor old mom. Oh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I suppose he figured, I mean, if he was 85, she's got to be over 100 or 100 at the very least. I and maybe so. he figured, oh, well, you know, her days are done. <laughs> well, I figure, too, I mean, it's obviously also just for the clarity of storytelling that he gave it all to Marta, the uh, the nurse, but also, like, Marta's, like, the, the fountainhead of it, of, like, f through her, the money will go to logical places. Like, obviously, Marta will look after the grandmother. And since the grandkid Meg wasn't so bad, you know, Marta will pay for her school. Like, Marta will, will let money go to a place that's useful, where no one else would. <laughs> so, yeah, presumably Marta will at least look after the old lady. And they have to tie in all those little things. Like when they make little references, like the spot of blood on her shoe, the knife at the end. I mean, everybody would have been wondering, why is there that big sun made <laughs> out of knives? And then Harlan makes reference to, you can't tell the difference between real knives, real knives and fake knives. And, and, and all the way through, they keep showing that big sun of knives. Well, somehow you got to pull that in there. Come on. So, of course, they do. At the very end, he grabs the knife because he's going to... I even kind of like how... He's going to kill her. They, uh, and they really... It's so neat the way this movie's balanced, where even Ransom, who is obviously the actual one who gets arrested at the end and is the cause of all this and is, like, the worst one, but they do paint a, a nice picture that... In his own way, he was the closest to the grandfather. He did get along the best, besides Marta, you know, like spent a summer helping him with his books and like they played Go together and they both, you know, they're the clever ones. Like the grandfather writes the murder mystery, Ransom the grandkid arranged one, you know, he did it in real life. But yeah, like they were connected in that way, that they're into this shit. <laughs> it's just that Ransom's but the evil version. But at one point he says he should have he should have let him write the books right. as opposed to just producing them. Yeah. Giving him that opportunity, and that's an opportunity missed. And that's where he probably at that point realizes he's really blown it, and now he's 
cut, going to cut Ransom off. So Ransom now has to do do his own thing, either make his own way. It's it's funny too. Uh, yeah, like everybody, even Jamie Lee Curtis at the start of the movie, she seems like the one who oh, so she did make her own business and everything's going okay. But they even reveal after that, yeah, she did her own thing with a million dollar loan <laughs> like you know she's like that's saying dead, yeah. and we never get and we know we don't hear and she paid that loan back right yeah we never hear about the loan again other than that she made her start with it, a million dollar loan it reminds me of that saying of uh you know someone who's born on third base but they think they hit a triple <laughs> you know like like i'm so close to home i did it but you didn't do it you're just born there yeah i think it's going to be interesting too now that i know they're making more of these movies because uh, it's going to be a lot harder, I think, because this one was neat because it's been a while since a movie like this. And it's it's like partially a new take on this type of movie, but partially it's just one of these movies. It's just nice to see one of these again and all of the tropes and all of the stuff that everyone likes about these types of movies. So, yeah, like the second time through, what are you going to do? Because you can't just do the same gimmick of the truth that this movie just tells you the truth you could do the same formula because as i said earlier look at all these ones that are sherlock holmes same formula uh angela lansbury and i think though i guess this guy in particular i guess same formula if you've seen though also this guy in particular his other movies like i just don't think he will because he's the guy who he's every every movie he does is so different that he even made a star wars movie that wasn't right and that everyone got mad about (laughs) like he just i don't think he will he's gonna make it hard on himself that way and it's gonna be weird too because uh the main guy um benoit blanc (laughs) you know like even in the course of this movie he starts becoming almost like a parody of one of those types of characters where the real world is happening around him and like medical examiners are showing up and fires are happening and he's still oh, it's a donut hole within a donut hole or whatever. Like, he's still a little silly. And I just think it's going to be tougher the second time to pull this out. I'm curious, though. I mean, we'll see. I'll let you know when it comes out. (laughs) I don't think there's a date or anything. But, uh, but yeah, that really holds up, too. It's nice to watch a movie again. And, uh, yeah, beyond the movie itself, we kept noticing just the set. The set was incredible. Yeah, you could look at that stuff all day. Like, (laughs) you could watch that movie with the sound off and just be like, what is that thing in the background? (laughs) No, the set was fabulous. And the things that they put into that set, and you said at one point you wondered if it was just somebody's house and they filmed and all that stuff was already there. That would be interesting to find out if that was true because the thing was loaded with all these weird and wonderful objets (laughs) d'art. paintings, uh, sculptures, and the knife, the sun. The sun with the knives was probably something they created for this movie. Right. But some of those other things, they weren't really relevant to the show. They didn't, they didn't add anything to the murder mystery, but they were fabulous for, for background shots. Yeah, it would almost be disappointing if it is just a movie set and they just, after they just took all that stuff out, you know, because it's so cool. And of course, the the, the uh, little coup de grace there is uh, when that ransom is going on about this is their historical home, uh, they, you know, this is their heritage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, so uh, he bought that in the 80s. Says he, bought, <laughs> he bought it from a Pakistani family in the 1980s. <laughs> That just makes me think, I don't know if it, I'm going to look on YouTube and see if it's here, but yeah, that house with all the stuff in it makes me think of, uh, there's this other director, uh, Guillermo del Toro. He, uh, 
you know, just has more money than he knows what to do with. And he's in into just weird stuff, kind of like that house, except more horror based with him. But uh, apparently he has he was buying so much weird stuff and weird statues and crazy paintings and stuff that his wife was like, get this shit out of my house. Like, I don't want to live in this crazy house. So he bought the house next door and filled the whole house next door with crazy shit. And apparently he made a little documentary about that house. Oh, here we go. Guillermo del Toro's Bleak House. So maybe we'll just wrap up the uh, podcast here, but this is 10 minutes. Let's watch this because, uh, yeah, you can even just tell from the one screenshot. It's like, sort of like that, but he just, he just bought a house to fill with crazy stuff. And uh, the story I always heard with him, because he, he does these really great horror movies and stuff. His uh, really famous one was Pan's Labyrinth. But uh, he grew up in Mexico. His grandmother raised him, and his grandmother was super Catholic. But she would buy him, like, monster magazines and stuff, you know, and, like, weird comic books about demons and things. So she would buy him this stuff because that's what he liked. But then she would cry about it and pray for him and be like, I don't understand. Why do you like such things? And so, yeah, he said it was just a weird upbringing that, uh, you know, she really made him feel guilty about it. But she did buy him the stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. <laughs> So, yeah, any final thoughts on Knives Out? Or should we... oh, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, it was, it was pretty excellent. decent, right? Yeah. 